Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sinead, what's the best thing about Christmas? Oh, well, I like the tree. I like being able to eat things. I like getting people presents. I like getting presents. I like wrapping presents. Um, Wrong. Oh. Best thing about Christmas is getting movie gift cards and true. then not having to pay for films for a couple months. <laughs> Very true. We haven't done it in ages. <laughs> you feel like you're kind of like really rich. Is this is this what millionaires feel like? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they can go to the movies whenever they want to, so kind of. Does that mean we're millionaires? In a way. Hello there and welcome to I Only Like You, film review podcast between two people who are boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm Lonnie, the boyfriend. Here's my girlfriend, Sinead. Hello. The very I am not a fish person, <laughs> although there is a fish person in The Shape of Water, which is the film we've seen this week. Good. Yeah. First question, mm. spoiler alert, mm. would you... Nah. No? Oh, if I had no one else and I connected with him and felt mm. that we were, look, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the latest Guillermo del Toro film. First one I've ever seen, so I apologise for that. You should. Well, no, I need to go back and watch others. Mm. It's amazing he's making films for years and years and then all of a sudden he makes one that Gets the attention of everybody in the Academy and everything. Yeah. Sally Hawkins is in it. One of the best actors out there. Mm-hmm. Michael Shannon. Michael is, it, is he Shannon. an actor or is he just a creepy dude who just happened to <laughs> walk on a set one day? <laughs> Why is he so terrifying? Why is he terrifying in every film? But he's so, like, attractive to look at. Not in, like, in a sexy way, but he just can't help looking. He's got an interesting face, doesn't he? And he's charismatic, you know. Sinister way. Richard Jenkins, the most glorious voice. I just knew from the opening narration that I'd love the movie. And Doug Jones, who has done lots of like character work like this before. I'm not sure he has a real face. I think he just does aliens and stuff. <laughs> Is he actual Andy Christmas? A bit like Andy Circus, yeah. Michael Stuhlbarg, wonderful. He's in three Oscar-nominated films this year. Amazing. And Octavia Spencer. Who has never done a bad thing in her whole entire life. I just, oh, isn't she incredible? I know. It's a great cast, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And a great story. What are your thoughts? I think 100% it will win for Best Picture. Really? Yeah. I think, like, it's a great film, mm-hmm. but I think a little bit they're going to give it to Guillermo because he's had a whole career of interesting films. Yeah, sure. I think that Three, three Billboards... I actually think Oscars might have been over by the time we put this up, but regardless, I think Three Billboards was like an early favourite, mm-hmm. and then people like oh the Post because Spielberg and everything, but I think this one might be the Smokey that comes over the top. The so Smokey, the, yeah, the Dark Horse. Mm. 
that people weren't so sure about at first, but it has got the most nominations. So, you know, that's always a good indication of mm. a good film. And I think it's also one that will stay the test of time. I don't think people will be talking about The Post or Three Billboards in the future. And even something like Call Me By Your Name will have a really dedicated fan base. Mm. I don't know about the widespread appeal. You know? mm. But this one, it was just like a fairy tale, wasn't it? Yeah. So here's the thing. I feel conflicted with this film. Sure. Let me, let me set the scene for you. Lonnie and I walked down to the cinemas, used our movie gift card to go see this because we're trying to see everything that's nominated for Best Picture, at least. And this movie, I was so caught up in it. I was had that warm feeling and a little smile on my face and glazed eyes while the whole film was happening and I was thinking in my head of things I wanted to say on the podcast about how even if a film isn't technically brilliant in every other aspect, which I do think this one is anyway, isn't that the main thing about whether a film can touch you and mean something to you and make you feel like that? Yes, and? And I feel like what it's done to me, this film, is reeled me in made me trust it, mm-hmm. and then slapped me across the face with that scene. And it really affected me because I said, Lonnie, Lonnie, quietly, we're in a and hoping that it wasn't going to happen. And then when it happened, I must have looked like a cartoon character because my hands literally went across my mouth and I started bawling. And I couldn't engage with the rest of the film after that and felt really upset and I actually considered telling Lonnie that I wanted to abstain from commenting on this film. However, because it's so brilliant in every other aspect, I am just going to believe that that scene didn't happen and if I'm going to watch it again, I'm going to fast forward through that bit. Here's the thing. Here's a question I have for all directors who are definitely listening to this podcast. Why do you always kill the animals? Why? What purpose does it serve? And the thing is, because you and I hate people so much, we love our animals, we can't help but project our pets onto pets in films. And I get it for like a movie like Marley and Me, right? The whole thing, I've never seen it, but the whole thing is that the dog dies apparently. That's fine. It's relevant to the narrative. This was not relevant to the narrative at all. It was trying to show, oh, yeah, he's a wild creature. But we already knew that by the fact that he bit Michael Shannon's fingers off. We already knew he was a bit volatile. Why couldn't he, and if it was to serve the purpose of the healing thing on Richard Jenkins' arm, the scars, why couldn't he have just lashed out in the bath somehow and then healed him that way? Nothing was, nothing came of that sequence. Also, it's like, oh, he ran away. Oh, but it's okay. Okay, he's just downstairs. We'll just get him back. Everything's fine. (sighs) What are your thoughts on that scene? You thought it was going to be a fake out, didn't you? I think it would have been better if it was a fake out that he was actually playing with the cat. I feel like lots of people, the directors out there, dislike the shock factor of having a pet die Mm -hmm. and the gruesomeness of it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessary. And I don't think it... It's in this movie because, like, it's so obvious. Yeah, it's a, we've I seen this it's before so many times. I think it would have been better 
if he'd been playing with the cat, that could have suggested that Fishman was... Human. Well, nicer than we thought. Mm. And that he was only acting out to Michael Shannon because Michael Shannon was torturing, torturing him. him. So, yeah. You know what I don't like? And Richard Jenkins like, oh, you killed Pandora. Great name for a cat, by the way. And Sally Hawkins was just like, oh, okay. You clearly didn't care about your cat. It wasn't her cat. It was Richard Jenkins' cat. But neither of them seemed to care. Yeah. They're just like, oh, this happens, you know. And then the next scene, he's, like, playing with them because they've obviously had the conversation, hey, these are good. Wouldn't you, like, bring bring him home, be like, hey, this is the sitch, you're going to live in here, these cats, they're good, you don't need to kill them. Problem solved. No issue. It's there to make us think about whether he's actually uh, worthy of love from a human because he's essentially a wild creature, though. It could have been done in another way. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying it's a dream sequence that didn't actually happen. Good. Yeah, I like that. Keep it at that. Moving on, though, mm. what about the music? Oh, it was beautiful. It was instantly classic, wasn't it, from the opening sequence, which was awesome. Well, it's um, Alexandre Desplat who does, like, beautiful scores mm-hmm. for everything. Sure um, the thing that I loved most about this film was what it looked like, what it looked like visually. <laughs> it's a bit redundant. The colours that they used mm-hmm. was beautiful. That teal, blue, green mm-hmm. that you see in the poster. Yeah. And the sparks the of red. It, it's just it's stunning to look mm-hmm. at. It is so gorgeous. I just feel like. So much effort was put in, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And I think there was a tiny bit. See, I think it's so exceptional because Del Toro is basically an auteur and he gets to design this whole world that he's had living in his head for so long. But I do think there's a problem when one person has sole creative control over a project that they don't know when to pull back, Um, particularly with his films. They're weird. Like they get to like a level of that's really weird. And I think we were all okay to deal with the whole fish man thing. But like the gratuitous gore with the cat and when Michael Shannon put his fingers through the hole in the, like that's not what this kind of film is. We don't need that. And I feel like sometimes they don't know when to pull back and no one can tell them that it's time to pull back because they're in charge of the whole project. And I think maybe in those moments it's actually useful to have another creative person who you can bounce ideas off, maybe make it a bit more moderate. Having said that, though, you expect weird things from a film of his, so. Yeah, I was okay with some of that stuff. I didn't mind the gore and gruesomeness for the human characters. Mm. It's only the Mm. pets I don't like getting attacked. (laughs) I liked in the story that we saw a little bit of the personal lives of lots of the characters. Mm. Like it it did humanise Michael Shannon to a certain extent, seeing his family. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. And Michael Stuhlbarg seeing his spy activities was cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I think the film was good in that sense, that we got a good sense of all the characters, especially Richard Jenkins. That was really sad. Oh, when it's parts. revealed. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. And, like, there's there's a chance that that sort of thing could detract from the whole, whole movie because you've got several different side plots going on. But I feel like all this was, it all linked back to the main storyline. Yeah. And to a certain extent, they were all, well, and really they were all interesting characters. 
and it was all interesting. So, you know, you can do that sort of thing. It didn't just have to be focused on her, you know. No, it is her story. I feel sad that Richard Jenkins doesn't have anybody at the end. Because he said that she's all he has. She's his best friend. And then mm-hmm. the key lime pie guy turns out to be a dud. Mm-hmm. And then what's he got? He's going to be friends with Octavia now. I'm okay with it. Who, she's definitely leaving her husband, She's leaving Bruce, isn't she? Oh. And I don't blame her. She could do so much better. She could do so much better. I'm not really sure that the nudity mm. was needed in the film. Yeah, another one. I agree. I feel a bit um, funny about the masturbation bits, but I feel like it kind of linked to what the whole point of the story was. But... You can allude to so much more. Like, you don't actually need to mm. see, like, full frontal nudity to understand what's going on. So much better, isn't it? Like, the scene... And, and it's the same with Gilda's violence, I think. Absolutely. The hint of it is more yeah. effective. But I think that's lots of auteurs, but especially Guillermo in his films. He doesn't know when enough's enough, so he just goes too far, pushes it all out. Um, I think the most intimate scene of the film is when they're in the bathroom, the flooded bathroom, and you just see her mm-hmm. face and they're embracing. Over his shoulder, yeah. That's so beautifully beautifully done and hints at so much more. We didn't actually need to see her, you know, mm-hmm. masturbating in the bath and all that kind of stuff. I don't know what it is. I wonder if it's the shock factor again. People just like having nude female stuff. And there's all this, like, conversation about how the fish penis works, but we never see that, do we? And Richard Jenkins isn't nude. I just feel a bit funny when it's a woman that's completely naked, full frontal nudity in a film with lots of other men. I agree. Biggest question of the film, was she a fish person? Okay, so here's the thing. At the end, I thought, because it's sort of framed in Richard Jenkins' narrative, I kind of was of the assumption that that's not actually what happened, that in reality the fish man took her but she didn't come back to life because they wanted to be together and Richard Jenkins knew and... I like kind of like the idea that he added a little fairy tale ending to it when it's maybe not what happened. Because that's what he was doing in his pictures he was drawing as well. Exactly. The fantasy. Yep. So maybe he just took her body to mm. the water with him and mm-hmm. that's what happened. Mm-hmm. However, since researching, I was totally wrong. So she is one. Right. Because she was found by a river. She had slashes in her neck which became gills. You said something interesting, which was he can't, it's never been established that he can bring people back from the dead. It was established that he could heal people. He heal people didn't transform them, yeah. Like Richard Jenkins grew back his hair mm-hmm. and his scratches were healed, mm-hmm. which implies that something was already there inside her that just needed to be healed. Mm-hmm. I would have really liked if she said something at the end, much like how um, when the creature was being tortured, Michael Shannon was like, I can't stand that sound, that screeching. Mm -hmm. Maybe Sally Hawkins couldn't speak in above water world either, but when she went into the ocean, Mm -hmm. maybe she was able to say hello or something. Little mermaid sort of scenario. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that could have been really nice. I liked the shoe thing. She drops the shoes at the end and she admires the shoes in the start of the film. I love that book, um, bookmark. Bookend, sorry, to the film. Also the fact that she can control water with the rain droplets. She is 100% one. 
But she's not just like him, though, because she looks like a human, so she's some sort of... Ancestor something. Mutation or something. Who knows? However, mm. could those things have just been part of the Richard Jenkins story? See, that's the thing. That's the thing. I think there's enough evidence there that you can confidently say that happened. That can be your reading. But also, perhaps it's... There are some fantastical elements of this. Mm. Mm. Cool to think about, though. I'm just reading here on Wikipedia that there's a novel version coming out this month. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's such. I really liked the story. I thought it was really sweet, really interesting. We are a little bit concerned, though. There are some allegations of the similar stories in the past. Yeah, I didn't so know like, that until recently. There's a short film that's got similar things. There's a play from the 1960s or 50s, so we'll um, keep an eye on that. But as the film we watched was great, so, you know. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, I worry about that kind of stuff where someone who's created an idea isn't getting credit because they're mm. not as rich or as well-known as someone else. I'd like to see how that plays out, though. Yeah. See what, yeah. what comes out. I really loved the dance sequence in the film. I thought mm-hmm. that was beautiful. Um, that's a classic example of where having an auteur works because you get those weird little bits, like it's just a musical number in the middle of a ra- random uh, regular film. But... You have to kind of take the good and the bad with auteur. The bit that I loved about it was when it merged back into her sitting at the table and she went backwards and she started to stop speaking and singing and went back into signing mm-hmm. and then, oh, it was gorgeous. It was just like a dance, the way that she sat back on the on the chair. It was beautiful. Yeah, so we've already established in the movie that there are dream sequences. Yeah. So stuff with the cat didn't happen. <laughs> true, true. You know when they're trying to rescue him and Octavia's there and she's like, we can't do this, how much were you, like, screaming internally for her to get out of the way? Yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> Is that what you would have done? That's what I was doing. It was kind of funny how they didn't want to kill the fish man mm. and Michael Stuhlberg kills a guard, though. <laughs> yeah, that is a bit funny, isn't it? But he was, he was a spy anyway, so yeah, he's good. probably killed lots of people and also... I think the whole point of um, his sort of storyline is that he wasn't recognised as a human either by people that he was working with. He mm-hmm. was His scientific knowledge wasn't taken as fact. So when he spot. had people who he could help and who thought, you're a good man, that's what she said to him, you're a good person, that was him being recognised just like the fish man was. Definitely. There's a difference between an innocent creature being killed for no reason yeah. or for bad reasons, I suppose, yeah. and someone dying who's in the way of that. Like, mm. not, I'm not saying kill people, but in the story world, there was a, a good reason to, for that guy yeah. to be taken out yeah. rather than fish man, you know. I thought it was interesting. It actually raised really interesting questions about what it means to be a human and what's, is it just you have to look like a human or not necessarily because Michael Shannon was hardly human, mm-hmm. you know. Um the way his body rejected his fingers as well, it was so gross <laughs> throughout the whole film. And a lot of the film is about connection between people. Yeah, yeah, and what it means to do the right thing and if you have a connection with, mm. I don't know. Richard Jenkins couldn't find a connection with people he liked. No. Octavia basically didn't have a connection with her husband anymore. No. The person who couldn't speak was the one who had the most to say. Yeah. I I love the fact that we had a 
um, mute character in film. We're able to use sign language and we're able to see that. I know in Baby Driver that was really interesting mm-hmm. having that on screen. So mm-hmm. I'm really glad that representation is widened. Um, but how good was it when after she and Octavia had been questioned by Michael Shannon's character and she said, F you, mm-hmm. by signing it? Oh, that's so that's good. That's cool. so, so good. I love the implication as well that he's worked there for 10 years or so with Octavia, Zelda, mm. that Zelda had learnt sign language so she could communicate yeah. with her. Yeah. It's like power for, of for friendship, her. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't get commented on or anything. It's just something the you don't even think about. The same way that she punches her card out and saves a spot for her in line. They're like. Yeah. And the same with Giles, Richard Jenkins, I guess. Mm. He yeah. understands the sign language. Teaches her the dance moves from the yeah. thing. Yeah. It's, it's just wonderful. Such mm. a good film. Um, You know how. Michael Shannon's character had, a, like, a kinky fetish thing about her not being able to speak and everything. Do you think that extended to him with the fish man and that's why he was hurting him so much because it was some kind of kinky sex thing? Oh, maybe I think you like getting off in power and torture. Mm, I don't know if it was mm. necessarily sexual with the fish man. But he, he said he liked that she didn't speak. Yeah, I think that was about I'm a man, I don't need anyone yeah. t- talking to me, I'm in charge sort of thing. Yeah. Don't know if he could extend that to the fish but, but kind of, maybe. All right, then, what is your score out of five, Sine? My score out of five for the film that doesn't include that scene is five stars. My score for the film that does include that scene is zero stars. So <laughs> I'll give it five stars Okay. and I'll pretend that that scene didn't happen. Okay. It's hard to reconcile otherwise because... It is? Well, I, I don't know. I really hated it. Mm-hmm. I felt... Completely shocked and upset and flabbergasted by that scene and kind of switched off from the rest of the film after that. So Maybe next time you watch it you'd be able to Yeah, be able to prepare myself. You look past that scene and then you can see how you feel about the rest of the film after that. What would you give it? Yeah, it's a five star film for me. Do you think it's gonna win? It'll probably win, yeah. I guess we'll see it. I don't think it's pretty open this year, but in the end it doesn't really matter that much. Got to show you some more of Guillermo's films then, hey. Mm, love to. Well, thank you very much for listening. We have lots of other podcasts out there if you want to listen to them. No Del Toro films, but we'll get onto that soon. What's your favourite one that you've seen? Um, Pan's Labyrinth's pretty cool. It's kind of creepy though. Um, Hellboy's a bit of fun. I don't know. I think this is definitely my favourite Del Toro film. Okay. Yeah. It's the most cinematic, I'd say, of all his films. Good way of putting it, I think. Yeah. yeah. It kind of translates him from being a bit weird, indie sort of crazy complex films to, like, it's kind of um, making his films more palatable for a wider audience by making it more cinematic. It's a little bit weird, but not too weird, you know? Yeah. Good way of putting it, Snow. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.